And I've learned something in my life that I wish that you would never experience. That every time I yield to my flesh, it causes me to struggle with my relationship with Christ. Always. Every time. Every time. It causes me to struggle in my relationship with, with Christ. And when I begin to struggle with my confidence in God, you know what happens? My faith begins to waver. Oh God, have I crossed the line? Oh God, have I gone too far? Oh God, is there really any forgiveness for me? I'd like for you to turn in your Bible all over the place this morning because we're going to be starting a, a new series. I have been praying. We've been talking about worship, and it really does deal with worship. But I, I, I want you to ask, I want to ask the question this morning, and, and I think it's uh, important. Do you really believe, do you really believe that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that God wants you to overcome? That God wants you to conquer. That God wants you to live a life of liberty and freedom. And, and, and the reality, God makes it quite clear in Scripture that you and I, as long as we're in the world, we're not to be of the world, but we are in the world. And as long as we are in the world, we're going to have this conflict, this struggle with the old nature and the spiritual man. Amen? We're going to have a struggle. And, you know, I used to think that, you know, when I got older and, and uh, uh, maybe a little wiser and a little more knowledgeable that the struggles that I would have, the temptations that I would have, all of those things, I always thought, man, it'll be a lot better when I get older. But it seems like the older I get, the harder it gets <laughs> sometimes. Uh, does it seem like that to you? I mean, is it just me? But it seems like the older I get the more the enemy just is attacking me, attacking my mind, attacking, uh, attacking you know, the way I think and everything. So this morning, we're going to start a series. I'm going to kind of lay the foundation for it this morning. And then the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of Christ when he was in the desert. We're going to look at the life of Christ when he was in the desert. And what is behind, what is behind the various uh, things that Jesus faced because I think they will give us a clue to what's behind the things that you and I face. But to start off this message, I want us to read, just to give some groundwork, from Proverbs, the second chapter. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, or several passages here of Scripture, and I want us to kind of lay the groundwork for what we're going to be sharing for the next three weeks. And... Uh, and I really believe this is very, very important. It says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, got to get this, benefit. we're talking about wisdom. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as 
for silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory. Now, I want you to get that word. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men who words are, whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of, God, of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And then he says, and it will save you also from the adulteress, and we'll stop there. Now, he's talking about wisdom, and we'll come back to that in just a minute. And so, as I said, for the next few weeks, I want us to look at the life of Christ when he entered into the desert place after he was baptized. And so, I'd like for you to, to turn to Matthew, the fourth chapter. And as you're turning there, I just want to share just a little bit. Matthew, the fourth chapter, we're going to start at verse 1 in just a moment. You see, I want us to try to identify the driving forces behind the temptation or the temptations of Jesus. What was the driving force behind the temptations of Jesus? And if you and I can discover the driving force, because you see, I believe that there's three temptations that Jesus was tempted with, and we'll, we'll discover them this ne in the next three weeks. But the, behind every temptation that Jesus was tempted with, there was a driving force, and it's the same driving force that drives the temptations in our lives. It drives the same temptation. So if we could get some understanding, if we could get some insight into what was driving those temptations of Jesus, then maybe you and I would have a little more leverage to overcome, to overcome. And so we're going to look at that. Now, first, I want to make it clear that God never tempts anyone with evil. God never tempts you to do evil. In fact, this is what James says. He says, when, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Nor does he tempt anyone. Now, you've got to get this. We need to understand, every time that you're tempted to disobey God or you're tempted uh, uh, to do something contrary to God's morals, God's will, God's uh, plan for your life, every time that you're tempted, you need to understand it is not God who is tempting you. God did not tempt me to look and lust after her. 
God did not tempt me. Well, we could go on and on and on. <laughs> we don't have time for all that. God does not tempt you with evil, neither does he ever tempt any man. God cannot be tempted by evil, and neither does he tempt any man with evil. But notice what he says. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust or own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So understand that when you and I are tempted, God does not tempt you with evil. It's your flesh. It's your nature, because we were all born with a sinful, evil nature, and and as long, and I've, I've come to this conclusion, as long as I live in the flesh, I'm going to struggle with this nature. Now, it doesn't have to overcome me. I have the power through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome it. But there's a process. There's a process. There's some understanding that we've got to learn and get to know in order to truly understand what's the driving force behind the things that I'm going through. So we're going to look at these things and kind of lay the foundation. Now, I want you to understand also there are two things that I want us to recognize this morning in every temptation. Number one, there is always more. There is always more at risk than one realizes. There's always more at risk than one realizes. And second, a great deal of our ability to overcome temptation is the confidence and trust we have in God, our Father. Now, let me kind of describe what I mean by that. You see, as a father and child, a child has confidence in their dad or in their mother or in their parents. And because of the confidence they have in their parents, they know that their parents are going to provide. When my kids were growing up, they never were concerned about having food on the table. They knew dad and mom was going to take care of that. They knew they never had to worry about what they were going to wear. Dad and mom made sure that they were going to be provided for. And, and I know that as a parent, that's the way you feel. You're going to make sure you might do without, but your kids are not going to do without. That's right. You might do without, but you're not going to let your kids do without. You're going to make sure they're protected. You're going to make sure they're provided for. You're going to make sure that they have everything they need in order to grow up to be a young man or a young woman or whatever. You're, you're going to make sure that they have everything they need. And because they have that confidence in you, those things don't even cross their mind. When I was growing up, I never, I was never concerned about what I was going to wear. Never. Now, sometimes I didn't like the clothes I might have had, but I was never concerned about what I was going to wear. God or my parents, God through my parents, made sure that I was going to have provision. I never worried about what I was going to eat when I got home because I knew that my mom would have something for us to eat. It might be a bologna sandwich, but I was going to have something. Now, I grew up in a time that you may not have grown up in this time, but I hate bologna today. I hate bologna. Don't invite me over and serve me bologna. 
I will eat it out of respect. But I don't like bologna. And the reason I don't like bologna, because growing up, we had bologna. We had fried bologna. We had bologna sandwiches. We had bologna in all kinds of ways. And today, I don't want any bologna. But I was always taken care of. Now, I'm not saying we had a bad life because we didn't have a bad life. God was good. My mom and dad were good. And uh, maybe my mom and dad liked bologna. I don't know. But I didn't, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, I like it, so you're going to eat it. I don't know. But anyway, but God always, or my parents always provided for everything. They made sure that we had a roof over our head. Shoes on our feet, always. And so the ability, now hear me, the ability Our ability to overcome temptation is the confidence that we have and trust that we have in God our Father. Now, if you remember the story of Esau and his birthright, Esau was real hungry. He had been out in the field, and he was real, really hungry, and he was famished. He was starving to death, and he came in, and he was hungry, and he said, I, I'm going to die if I don't get something to eat. I need something to eat. And Jacob looked at him, and he said, well, if you want something to eat, give me your birthright. Give me your birthright. Now, what did that mean? And Esau had such a lack of confidence in God That he said, I'll give you my birthright. Just give me something to eat before I die. My birthright is not going to do me any good if I'm dead. And so Esau gave up his birthright because he didn't have enough confidence in God to provide. And if you and I are not careful, you and I will give up the blessing You and I will give up the birthright. You and I will give up the promise that God has made to us because of our lack of confidence and trust in God. You need to know that. We must have confidence in God. Now, I shared from Proverbs earlier Because if we could get wisdom and understanding that's given to us from God, I believe it will stop and we will strive to stop for a moment and consider these two things that I just mentioned. I believe we will be more apt to break free from the things that control us. So let's look. Next, excuse me. With every temptation, there is more at risk or more at stake than we realize. And there is a relationship between our temptation and our confidence and trust in God for our lives. Now, what I want us to do is consider for a moment what was at risk at the temptation of Jesus? What was really at risk? I mean, let, let's read for just a moment in Matthew, the third chapter. In Matthew, the third, uh, fourth chapter, well, third chapter, starting at verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, 
heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now listen, this is God speaking to the only begotten son, his son. And he's speaking, he said, this is my son and whom I am well pleased, whom I love and whom I am well pleased. Now I don't know about you, but if God were to open up the heavens today and all of a sudden speak to me and say, Randy, I want you to, you, to you to know that I love you, I love you, I love you, and I am pleased with you. Now, I, I'm just telling you, I've just been on a high. Now, Canaan told me today I can move around. Testing these cameras out. I would be on an emotional high, a spiritual high, if God just opened up the heavens and said, hey, this is my son, and I'm well pleased with you, and I want you to know I love you. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'd leave this building going in the confidence that Jesus loves me and that God really cares about me. Now, he may not open up the heavens today, but he did open up Scripture. And he did tell me in Scripture that he loves me, he cares about me, he's concerned about whatever is going on in life, he's concerned about every detail of my life. God loves you, he cares about you, he's concerned about every detail in your life. And I want you to know, most of the time he's pleased with us. God loves you today. So as we look at this temptation, the Bible says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now notice that he was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Jesus or God the Father did not tempt Jesus. He cannot be, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither will he tempt anyone. The Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert where he was tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, we're going to pause there for a minute. Now, we need to ask ourselves the question, as we've already said, could we consider for a moment what was really at risk in the temptation of Jesus? It really was not what we may think or see on the surface. But I believe it's much deeper than just being tempted to turn stone into bread. It was much deeper than just being tempted to jump off a building knowing that God will protect you. It was much deeper than that. What really was at stake was you and I. You were at stake. I was at stake during this temptation of Jesus. And you might say, well, what do you mean? How in the world were you, were you and I at stake? We were the ones that hung in the balance with Jesus' ability to say no to the tempter. What was at stake was his ability to remain sinless. If Jesus had to take care of his sin, then he certainly couldn't take care of our sin. So you see, there's more that was at stake than just Jesus being tempted in the wilderness and turning stone into bread or whatever the, the, the other two will be we'll talk about. 
What was at stake was you and I. The ability for him to stay sinless, to remain sinless so he could be the sacrifice for our sin. That was what was at stake, you and I. And I want you to get in your mind that there's more at stake, there's more at risk when you're tempted than just you. There's much more at stake than you just messing up. There's much more. In fact, it's our salvation that was at stake with Jesus. In the verses that we read, in the verses that follow, Jesus is tempted in three different ways, all of which have to do with his confidence in God and trust. And all three of these temptations are in the background of everything that you and I face every day, every day. Is it not amazing? Is it not amazing that, and and I, I really want to say this right, is it not amazing that Jesus was faced with one of these behind every situation, excuse me, was faced with, one of these will be behind every temptation that you and I will be faced with. And I don't believe this is just coincidence. For example, Jesus was tempted to meet a legitimate need. Jesus had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, and the Bible says, and afterward he was hungry. Now, God had given to him a natural or legitimate need for food. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And Jesus needed food to sustain his body. He was hungry. And so Satan tempts him to meet a legitimate need in a wrong way. God knows that you have legitimate needs. You have natural desires that God has given to every one of you. Physical desires, uh, uh, natural desires, emotional. God has given you all of these desires. He created you with a desire to eat, to drink. He created you with a desire for love and to feel that love and to experience that love at its fullest measure. God gave you every one of these legitimate desires that you and I have in our life. But if we're not careful... We'll try to gratify, we'll try to fulfill that desire, we'll try to gratify that desire in a way that God did not prescribe. Every temptation that you face is going to come about through one of these three things. Second, he was tempted to leverage God for his own purpose. He was tempted to leverage God for his own purpose. What do you mean by that? Jesus was tempted to leverage God for his own purpose? Yes. I know that God will protect me. God said he's put his angels around me, and God, that I would never dash my foot against the stone. It would not hurt and and everything. So I know that God is going to protect me. And so since I know that God is going to protect me, I'm going to leverage, I'm going to leverage the the promise of God for my self-will. Now, I tell you, the older I get, the wiser I get. 
You do too. I'm going to tell you today, I would not do some of the things I used to do. I just, I'm thinking, I, 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 no, I used to be stupid. I used to be stupid. Driving at Trans Am at 130 miles an hour, stupid. If it had been on a racetrack, it would have been one thing, but I'm on the road. Now, don't tell my kids I did that. Don't tell my grandkids. But listen, don't tell my mom and dad either. My dad's gone, but my mom, she may be listening today. I don't know. But I look back and I think, boy, that was so dumb. Oh, God will protect me. I ain't got to worry about it. I'm leveraging, I'm leveraging the promise of God to my benefit. Don't we do that sometimes? Well, we're going later on into that. And third, we're often tempted to take a shortcut to obtain the right thing in a wrong way. Jesus, I mean, was offered the kingdoms of this world. All the kingdoms of the world, they're yours. They're yours. They're yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. Now, you've got to understand something about God. God was going to give Jesus the kingdoms of the world. Was he not? You read Revelation and see where God doesn't give Jesus Christ the kingdoms of this world. But sometimes if we're not careful, we'll go take a shortcut. And Jesus could have taken a shortcut and got the kingdoms of the world early and disobeyed God. Sometimes we do that. Gratifying, not trusting God to fulfill what he said. And so once we recognize these things, our temptations begin to lose their leverage over us. Temptations will never go away. But our temptations begin to lose their power so we can deal with them. Now let me explain this. You see, Jesus came to set us free, not only to forgive us of our sins, but Jesus came to set us free from the power of sin. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins, and we accept him, we accept what he did on the cross as sufficient to wash away our sins, I want you to know your sins are forgiven. They are forever forgiven, never to be remembered anymore. God has forgiven me of my sins. But I also want you to know that when he died on the cross and he shed his blood, he not only died to forgive you of his sin, your sins, he died so that the sin power may be eliminated, or let me use the term, it may be eliminated, you no longer sin power controls you. When you were born in this world, you were born with a sin nature. You were born with sin power. It controlled you. It, it, it dictated what you did. But when Jesus came and shed his blood, he broke not only, he not only forgave you of your sins, he broke the power of sin from your life. I want you to know you don't have to sin. You don't have to sin. You don't have to yield to temptation. You don't have to do what the flesh says. God has given you the power to say no. Before, I couldn't say no. 
I couldn't. I did what my flesh told me to do. I did what that evil nature told me to do. I did it because it had control of my life. But when Jesus became Lord of my life, he broke not, he not only forgave me, he broke sin's power. So now I have the ability to say no. I want you to know that you have the ability to say no. Through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to yield to the temptations of the flesh or evil. You don't have to. Well, the devil made me do it. No, 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 no. If you're a child of God, the devil can't make you do anything. If you do something, it's because you chose to do it. I'm free to make a choice. I'm free from the power of sin. Before, I wasn't free. I, I did what my nature told me to do. But now that I've been set free from the power of sin, I have a choice. I can either yield back to the flesh and do what the flesh wants me to do, or I can yield to the Holy Spirit of God and do what God wants me to do. It's my choice. And when I begin to realize what's at leverage or what's at stake, when I begin to realize what's at stake in this temptation, it makes it easier for me to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Because what's at stake is not just something on the surface. What's at stake is something that's eternal. Remember, there's always more at risk than what you realize. There are things that are risk every time at risk every time you're tempted. For example, your future. Your future is at stake. Your future is at risk. Do you want to risk losing the purpose and the plan that God has for you? You got to understand, if I if I yield to the flesh in this moment, my future may be at risk. What God has planned for me may be at risk. What God's purpose is may be at risk. I tell you what, it's not just the, the gratification for the moment. It's not just the gratification for the moment. I want you to know there's something more that's at risk. And if I begin to see there's much more at risk than just the, 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 the gratification for the moment, then it begins to leverage me where I think, well, wait a minute, maybe, let me think about this. Not only is my future at risk, and we need to get this, someone else's future is at risk, those under your authority, parents, do you realize what's at risk or what's at stake is not just your future, but it's your children's? Who? Do you feel the weight of that? Now, think about this. If you go to Genesis, the third chapter, you'll find the fall of man. You'll find where Eve is deceived. Eve is deceived, and she yields to the servant. Now, in fact, let's go. I want to read that because I want you to see the picture here of what's going on. In Genesis, the third chapter, now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? You see, the enemy's beginning to want you to question. He wants you to question, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? When God said no, did he really mean no? 
When God said yes, did he really mean yes? What did, he wants you to question, did God really mean that? Is that really what God said? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from, now get this, God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now, is that what God said? That is not what God said. God said, you must not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. He didn't say one word about touching it. Didn't say anything about touching it. Now, you got you to understand the deception of the enemy. Feeding this into her mind. This is what God said. God said, don't, t- don't eat it. He also said, don't touch it. God never said, don't touch it. We'll come back to that. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll not die. Oh, if you yield to the temptation, nothing bad is going to happen to you. Your future's not going to be at risk. I mean, no one else is going to be at risk. I mean, listen, you're going to be able to gratify. You're going to be able to fulfill what God has given you a natural desire for if you just go ahead and do it. A lie. And the Bible says that when Eve looked at the fruit, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. You see, when she took it, nothing happened. Because God didn't say there would be a penalty if you touch it. But when she ate it, something transpired. It affected her future. Her future was at risk, as at stake. But not only was her future at stake, her children's future was at stake. You see, because of what Eve did, because of what that one person did, and Adam is just as much to blame, so don't point the finger at Eve. Adam's just as much to blame. In fact, Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. So go from there. But what was at risk was the future of mankind. Because of the one thing that she did, the one thing that she did, the stake of entire humanity was at risk and was defiled and became sinful. We need to understand that when we face temptation, there's something much more at risk or much more at stake than just what's on the surface. Your future's at risk. And not only is your future, but your family and your friends become at risk. How many times, because, and I'm not pointing fingers, and and listen, I'm, I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about from here in the future. Hear what I'm saying. Your your past is your past. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's forgiven. I'm not bringing up your past. I'm talking about from here on what's at stake. You're at stake. Your future, 
Your family and your friends are at stake. And your faith, your faith is at stake. You see, your relationship with God is at stake. What happened when Eve disobeyed God? When, when Eve took of the fruit, what happened? Not only was her future at risk, not only was her the whole mankind, all of humanity at risk, but all of a sudden her relationship with God became severed. It became severed. Your faith is at risk. God has given, you know, I said last week that God wrote his law in your heart, on your mind, and in your heart. What's at risk is conscious, your conscience can become seared, and your confidence in God begins to waver. And we see this in Genesis. Their confidence in God began to waver because of the severance in the relationship. Let me think for just a moment. Have you ever struggled with one thing in your life? You know, I've come to this conclusion. All of us, including me, all of us struggle with something in our life. Do we not? Some kind of something, you know, whatever it is, all of us, including me, struggle with something. And I've learned something in my life that I wish that you would never experience. That every time I yield to my flesh, it causes me to struggle with my relationship with Christ. Always. Every time. Every time it causes me to struggle in my relationship with Christ. And when I begin to struggle with my confidence in God, you know what happens? My faith begins to waver. Oh, God, have I crossed the line? Oh, God, have I gone too far? Oh, God, is there really any forgiveness for me? Because, God, I keep seeming to miss the mark. Now, you may not be like that, but I think you are. You begin to waver your faith and your trust in God. You know, the amazing thing about God is is God's love is unconditional. And God says to Randy and he says to you, if you could, he he tells us, he he tells us in 1 John, the second chapter, my children, do not sin. Do not sin. Do not sin. Do not sin. Well, I can can accept that. I don't want to sin. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he tells us in in 1 John 1 and 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. I am so thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you, every time I yield to the temptation, there's something that happens. My conscience becomes, maybe becomes a little seared, and all of a sudden, I struggle in my confidence and my trust with God. Will he really forgive me? Have I crossed the line? Have I gone too far? Of course, I'm going to tell you by what God said, you haven't gone too far. You haven't crossed the line. But you see, it hurts your confidence and trust in God. 
And we need to understand that every time we yield to that temptation and we say yes to it instead of no, that it has greater, a greater, there's, there's things that are become a greater risk. It's not just the pleasure in the moment, the satisfaction in the moment, but what really takes place is your future, your children's future, and your relationship with God. And if we could get that in my mind, if we could get this understanding, if we could get this understanding in our minds, in our thoughts, God, what's at risk is not just the pleasure for the moment. What's at risk is everything. My future, my family, my faith. And I ask this question in closing. Could you look back at your life, not to bring condemnation, not to bring condemnation, I'm not trying to bring up the past, but I want us to learn from the past. And I want us to learn from Jesus. And I want us to learn from Eve. And I want us to learn from our own past sins. Every time that I yielded to the temptation, did it not affect more than just the pleasure for the moment, the satisfaction for the moment, whatever it is? Did it not affect more than just that? And I can say it absolutely did. It affected everything. And if I begin to understand that, that what's at stake, what's at risk is not just the moment, but what's at risk is my future, is my family and friends, is my relationship with an eternal God. That's at risk. And when I begin to see what's really at risk, what really is at risk, what really is at stake, it gives me the leverage to say it is not worth it. It is not worth it. It's just not worth it. This week I was working on a house and... Uh, some of you know, I, I sometimes do work on the side. I pastor first, and then sometimes I work on the side. And this lady had asked me to work on her house, and they had just built a nice, I mean, just, anyway, nice house. And I, I did the wiring for them. And so the house that they had, they were going to put on the market, and it had some work that needs to be done on it. And she asked me if I would do the work, the um, some electrical. So I went over there and looked at the house and I thought, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is such a beautiful home. My wife would love it. My wife would just love this home. It's huge backyard, big front yard. She could have a pool in the, in the backyard. Beautiful home. Flooring, solid wood flooring. I mean, expensive flooring. Nice home. And the thought went through my mind, what if you sell yours and buy this one? Now, know something. I'm this close to having my house paid for. 
this close. I, I mean literally this close. The temptation was there. The temptation was, boy, Kim would love this house. And so I asked, I said, how much are you going to ask for this house? Oh, man, I'm going to ask 325000 for it. I said, okay. I could sell mine for, you know, you, you start doing the math. Now, listen. There's nothing wrong with you buying a house. There's nothing wrong. But number one, I never asked God about it. I didn't. I didn't ask God about it. I didn't even consider asking God about it. I just thought, hey, this is a good opportunity. And I was tempted. But when I begin to leverage what's at stake, my future, my family, because let me ask you something. If something were to happen to me, who would end up having to pay for it? My wife. And I got a feeling she could not afford it on her salary. So not only is my future at stake because I will not get to retire until I'm 90 years old, <laughs> but her future's at stake. My kids may be at stake. And not only that, but my relationship with God may be at stake. And when I begin to realize what's really at stake here, it gives me the power to leverage the ability to say, no way, Jose. That is not for me. That is not for me. Five years of gratification to live in this house is not worth sacrificing my future my family's future, or maybe disobeying God. Because God told me, God told me, and he told you, I will take care of your provisions. I'll take care of a roof over your head. I'll take care of the food on your table. I'll take care of everything that you need. I'll take care of you. And if I'm going to take matters into my own hand to do what I want to do for the moment... Then it says, God, I really don't trust you to take care of me. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm telling you. And, you know, I, and I know that's kind of a, you say, well, that's just a kind of a thing. But think about it. Don't we do that in our lives? We want to gratify the flesh for the moment, not realizing what's at stake. Our future our family, and our relationship with God. Would you stand? Praise team, would you come? So for the next three weeks, we want to ask the question, can God be trusted? Can God be trusted to meet my need? Will God really take care of me? Will he really help me to overcome? And can God really be trusted? And with those questions, when you begin to ask those questions, I believe that God can be trusted.
I believe that you and I can overcome if we'll begin to apply the wisdom and the understanding of what God was trying to teach us in the temptations with Jesus. God will give us wisdom and understanding that will cause us to leverage our ability to say no. I love Derek. And this guy right here, you notice he, he well, this is a new guitar. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what his weakness is. That's his weakness. There's nothing, I, I'm not picking at him. But listen, it would be easy, real easy for him to go out What's the top of the line guitar? Oh. What is it? There's a bunch of them. I'd say Veritas right now. Veritas. How much is Veritas? Uh, anywhere from $45 to $6,800. $45, $6,800. Now, Derek's got three kids. He starts a new job tomorrow. I don't know what his income is. Not none of my business. I don't care. But I can imagine that if he goes to Guitar Center... And he sees that guitar, his flesh will rise up and say, buy it. And if he doesn't ask the question, how is this going to affect my future? How is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect even my relationship with God? It will be easy for him just to take out a loan and buy the guitar. But when he begins to leverage and takes all those things into consideration, it gives him the leverage to say, it's not worth sacrificing my family. It's not worth putting me in such a bind that it severs or hurts my relationship with God. It's not worth what's at stake in my future. And so I'm just going to depend on God. If God wants me to have it, I'm going to trust Him to get it for me. And if He doesn't get it for me, it's okay. Because He'll provide what I need in my life. I'm just using that as an example. But all of us have that and those things. So I want to challenge you. Can you trust God to gratify what God has legitimately given you? By learning to say no to the evil nature and saying yes to God. Leverage it. Leverage it. Get this understanding and leverage it to give you the power to overcome. God, I pray today, God, this I've tried to share the foundation for this series. God, I pray, Father, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts. That, God, everything that we are tempted with, and we're tempted every day, and what's going to be behind these temptations, Lord, is what was behind the temptations, Lord, that you faced. God, help us to grasp understanding, to get knowledge, so, Lord, that we can leverage. We can leverage what's at stake. We can leverage what's our future, Lord. We can leverage our relationship with you and leverage, Lord, everything. So it will cause us... and empower us to say no and say yes to you. 
God, give us that wisdom and understanding. Give us that leverage. Help us to ask the questions before we yield and that moment for pleasure. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Help us to apply it. In Christ's name we pray. Now what I'd like for us to do, you may be struggling with something. As we're singing the song, I want you to talk to the Lord about it. You can come to the altar if you'd like to come. I'd love to pray with you. You can sit at your seat. You can stand right there. But whatever you're comfortable with, I want you to talk to God about what your weakness is. I told the Lord the other day I was praying, and I said, God, I'm struggling. I am struggling in this area of my life, and I need your help. And the amazing thing about God is that that moment that I asked him, he gave me grace, and he gave me strength to overcome the evil one. And God will do that in your life. Tell him what you're struggling with. Let him know it. And then ask him, God, would you give me the ability? Would you give me the strength? Would you give me the desire? Would you give me, Lord, the, the, whatever I need so that I can say yes to you and no to the evil one so I can overcome? Would you give that to me? And I believe God will do it. Would you lead us, Derek, in this song? Would you sing this song with me if you'd like to? Let's worship the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah. Let's lift him up. God is for you today. God is for you today. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.